Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a 20-minute high-intensity episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the themes of the day. Hello, and welcome to Current and Critical. I am here this morning with my long-term, long-time friend and trusted advisor, Mrs. Jen Nyswander. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Tyler. Nice to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for doing this on this. Uh, we're sneaking this in on a Sunday morning because it's an important topic and we want to get it out to people as quickly as we can. Jan is a human resource strategist with 30 plus years of experience. And I think it would be an understatement to say that you've been a little busy over the last three weeks of this current COVID world that we're living in. Yes, that would be uh, an understatement for sure. I'm I've been busy working with my clients to help them navigate through a completely unprecedented uh, situation where the end is certainly not clear and what you do from day to day is uncertain at best. The buzzwords that are fluid, uh, unprecedented, they're all real. And, you know, as a business owner myself, it is an, it's a, it's a very, the struggle is real to balance the morality and the human side of people, which is human resources, but also the log- what is supposed to be, quote unquote, the logistical side of like, this is our business, this is our P&L, this is our balance sheet, this is our drop in revenue or not, how do we respond? And then at the same time, the government is running as fast as they can. I don't envy any of them in their roles right now. I'm not going to comment on whether I agree or disagree in how they're approaching things. They're doing their best to try to mitigate this thing for the population for our society and trying to bolt all those things together as a business owner can be incredibly challenging. Hence why an advisor like yourself is so critical. So let's just start the day with define HR from your perspective, because I think it's something that can be, oh, it's fluffy, it's people, it's strategy. What's HR from your perspective? And we'll use that as our launching pad. Well, from my perspective, and I uh, I don't necessarily hold the most traditional view of, um, of human resources, uh, compared to some of my colleagues. But from my perspective, uh, human resources in organizations are, of course, uh, the people that you have to do the work that makes your business successful. Human resources, uh, how you support your human resources, how you work with them is um, definitely defined by some of the programs and the processes that you put in place. But the bottom line is that managing your people Uh, And supporting your people and having an engaged workforce is very much the responsibility of the leaders in the organization. And often human resources in many companies is seen to be the group or or the people that control all of the decisions that influence or impact the employees of the organization or keep them engaged. But from my perspective, that reality is belongs to the leaders. And so my job and the job of human resources in general, particularly in these times, is to provide um, to provide support for the leaders so that they can really effectively manage uh, both their business and their people when conditions change or when they're not optimal. So from listening to you talk, if you were an organization that didn't have a strong foundation that wasn't in tune with and had a tight correlation between how your business operates and how your business is successful and how your people fit together, these last three weeks have been a very challenging time. They're challenging for everyone. I can only imagine if you weren't set up already in that mindset, the last three weeks has been pretty rough. Yes. Yeah, it most certainly has because most of the clients that I deal with are 
first and foremost, concerned about how their business is going to survive. And many of them have been forced to close their doors, either because the government has determined that they are non-essential or just because of the impact of COVID-19 and the social distancing, they've had to, if not close their doors, significantly reduce their operations. But beyond that is to figure out how the people that you employ in your organization can continue to do the work if there is work there for them to do, how they continue to do that and not come into your office space. Um, many organizations aren't accustomed to having their employees work remotely. That in itself, I think, is interesting. I think there were so many businesses that believed like, oh, we can't do that. We can't work remotely. My wife works in an oil and gas company, as you know, and they were not a, like, you have to be in the office to do your job. But yet there they are three weeks from now, companies growing, everything. It's, it's amazing how we are forced to adapt. But when you start extenuating and, and pushing all your people to work from home, man, that puts some challenges on your culture as well. Cause anything that any of those little cracks or flaws or someone who was feeling disconnected from the organization, they're really now literally on their own or sitting in front of their computer all day without that other, that rest of the connection of their peers, that alone, I can't imagine the challenges that's causing for different types of organizations. Yeah. And, and for uh, individuals themselves. Yes. who just are not accustomed to not being in their workspace or having access to other people or the materials that they would typically be working with on a day-to-day basis and how do they how do they work from home and be productive and be connected so 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 the employees are are struggling with this kind of an experience as well as leaders that had put high high value in FaceTime with right. their employees like if i can't see you then i i'm not sure you're you're doing the work i need you to do so it is um it's forcing all of us uh, to recalibrate our the things that we value in terms of how we work together it's so interesting. So from your journey over these last, because it's interesting, like three weeks, uh, like a week under in COVID is like a year in normal time. I heard someone say like dog years in COVID years, a week is tw- is like 12 months in normal business. Cause yeah. the first week was okay. If you have to make layoffs, we'll be, the government will reduce the barriers and get people there right away. Then it was the 10% wage subsidy. Then it was the 75% wage. So from a, like, we'll talk about the human side in a second, but even logistically, what's that been like, or how have you, been able to navigate or help support some of your clients in the fact it's changed so quickly. Like I just said three major things, but that's only happened in three weeks time. What's that journey been like for companies that you've been working with on trying to make quote unquote, the best slash right decision for them and their employees simultaneously? Well, um, I think, well, obviously, as you know, from day to day, almost hour to hour, particularly in the first week, everything changed. The world changed uh, completely for organizations. And so the business leaders weren't necessarily set up to understand the kind of role that the government might take in this and how that would affect them and affect their businesses. So in the first week, the decision criteria was simply what's going to happen to our business? How how are we going to um, last through a period that's not determined and how will we do the work that we're accustomed to doing hands-on from a distance so those in that first week that was pretty much the the kinds of conversations that i was having with employers is we're not set up 
to work remotely. So we have to get our IT groups together. So while human resources has been really busy, IT has probably been busier. <laughs> I would agree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so the decisions were quite, I, I would suggest quite logistical in terms of okay. how, how, if we're going to continue operating, how do we operate? It was very much a survival mindset that for that first week. Survival just underpinned with massive amounts of fear of, I don't know if my revenue is going to go to, I know companies that the revenue did go to zero while right. they were still trying to do that simultaneously. Right. So then the next thing that happened was, as that was happening for some organizations and other organizations were looking at, my revenue is the same now, but it's not going to, it's not going to be right. in the future. So then how do I deal with, the biggest cost that I have as an organization, which is my people. How, how am I going to sustain that? And so then my world immediately went to interpreting employment standards in all of the provinces that my clients operate in to understand the parameters for laying people off on a temporary basis. And it's interesting because employment standards has very specific rules for how you should do that as an, as an employer, mm -hmm. including considerations for constructive dismissal or the things that might bring you into a legal uh, challenge or legal situation with your employees. But at the same time we were looking at that, the government was saying, well, we're, we may change some of those rules. So the government was starting to come forward with, uh, some of the subsidy programs and talking about them in a very general basis while employers were trying to decide, I, I, I'm going to have to lay my people off. How do I do that so that I'm, I'm within the boundaries of the law, number one? And uh, number two, how do I make the decisions about who I lay off and who I keep if I'm going to be able to continue some of my operations. For for the organizations that had to close their door, the decision was simple. I have right. to I have to lay off my people. They're going on employment insurance, which means they go from 100% of their pay to 55% or or less of what they would normally make, and they're going to have to cope with that in their lives. But for organizations that continue operations then they had to decide who who would stay and who would go or how are we going to manage this? Based on a completely hypothetical forecast of the you future. Bet. Like there's no model to copy, duplicate. There's no case study you can read about how someone else did it in this situation before because it is, you know, again, buzzwordy, but it is unprecedented. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so what I observed when I was dealing with the leaders or the owners of these organizations was... Uh, I would say a significantly enhanced sensitivity to uh, the challenges that their employees would would encounter and to try and as they struggled with that and making the decisions they needed to about their employees, who stays, who goes, or how do we do this, is the underlying concern being, what is this going to mean for my business and are we going to survive this in the end? So when you look at temporary layoff, for example, it's temporary for how long, under what right. conditions, and what happens if, if we get to the end of this and I don't need all those employees back because my business has taken such a hit that I don't know, I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. So tolerance for ambiguity has become a significant competency requirement for leaders. <laughs> 
tolerance for ambiguity has become a competence requirement for leaders. That's my quote of that's my quote of the day. Yes, try to make try to make very serious potential like life altering decisions for you and your employees because we're all humans in this and like you said earlier, we're all in this together. But do it with very little information that's probably going to be quote unquote wrong or incorrect or not completely true. 24 hours from now, maybe 20 hours. It's a very, it's, it's a very interesting predicament to be in as humans. Right. And we've seen that exactly that happen when, um, so when organizations started to lay people off on a temporary basis. And I, as you know, uh, Tyler, I, um, employment lawyers are my friend in these circumstances where we've been mm-hmm. trying to interpret what in fact could be the consequences of making decisions that would amount to um, constructive dismissal under normal circumstances, meaning right. meaning that you've changed the conditions of employment uh, for your employees unilaterally without their consent. Um, Which so, really is just is kind of happened to all of us because of the situation in general. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, so trying to look out a decision that you make today, what are the consequences going to be down the road? There is no way to, um, to understand what that is. And so as we look at the last three weeks, so many of my clients in week two started laying their people off based on understanding that the, because we've never experienced this before, chances of the significant legal consequences we might otherwise suffer by making those decisions may in fact not apply in these cases. We don't know because we're not at the other end of it, but so those decisions had to be made because the employers can't afford to keep the people on or they've been ordered to make other decisions. So no sooner were those decisions made about the people that companies laid off, then the government came forward with the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program, which, as you said, started out at 10%, but moved very quickly to the government saying, we will subsidize organizations 75% of the salaries of their employees up to a specific threshold, um, assuming that the companies will pay the additional 25%. And when I first heard that, I was, and so my job and and the job of organizations is to stay on top of this information that affects the decisions that you make every day. And in this particular case, all kinds of assumptions were made. Well, okay, if the government's going to pay 75%, they'll do that for the employees that I actually have work for. Right. So but that was right. That was the first. That was a, one of the early assumptions, is what you're saying. That was an early assumption, but as as I listened, and you really had to listen to Trudeau in particular on his daily um, uh, addresses to the nation, uh, said that uh, we want to encourage all employers to bring their employees back. So Whether everyone or not who made those have- made those decisions in week two are now going. What do I do now? Yes. Yes. And that is, in fact, I I would say to you exactly where we find ourselves right now is that employers and the clients that I'm working with, understanding what the parameters are. And again, um, very ambiguous in terms of uh, whether or not the government has mandated employers to bring people back or not. It's not that clear at this point, but it could come to that. And then. 
in the original announcement was that employers would pay that 25%. And now it, the government has said, we hope you can and will pay the 25%. But if you can't, that's not going to be a criteria. It's interesting because 25% all the same is still, you, if you don't have revenue, you don't have revenue. Like that's, that's right. like as, from the company's perspective. And I get, I really appreciate doing what you can and doing the best, but there is a certain point where it just financially doesn't support itself. It just doesn't work right. for those companies. Like you said, that have gone from revenue to zero and that's right. an incredibly scary world. Yep. It is scary. Uh, however, now the government, and I think for exactly that reason that you've said, the government is saying that if you can't manage the 25%, just do your best. So well, that's, then, a, that's a really tricky criteria to measure, manage, or police or enforce. Exactly. And so now business leaders are in a position to try and make a decision. And it is both. I would say a moral dilemma as much as it is a business dilemma, because you have people that you've, let's say, laid off, they're now on EI, having to figure out how they're going to make ends meet from 100% salary to 55%. Well, depending on the individual, it might not be 55. Like, if, that's, that's only relevant to the maximum, right? Mm -hmm. That is true. That is absolutely true. And so... So there they are out there doing that. And now you've been asked by the government to bring your people back and potentially keep them whole, whether or not you have work for them to do. Interesting. So for, as you can imagine, for um, entrepreneurs in particular, mm -hmm. a lot of the decisions they have to make stand almost in direct conflict with what they philosophically believe. That's so interesting. It's not called human resources for nothing, right? The no. human side of this is where you get into those mm -hmm. dilemmas. That's right. And so that's one of the things that as I work with my clients is that we we have our own very significantly held beliefs. And those things have brought us to success in running our businesses, have uh, helped us to make very difficult decisions that affect our, our business and and our people. And now I'm having to look at this and possibly even abandon what I believe to some degree to look at things that were not uh, front, like foremost in my considerations as I was running my business, which is I have employees out there. I want them to come back. I have to assume my business is going to survive or at least act like I believe it's gonna survive. And I have the opportunity to bring people back and keep them whole so they don't have to struggle at the level they are in this moment without having any gainful work for them to do. This is all in the criteria that you have lost 30% of revenue. Uh, same from, I think you talked earlier, uh, you said off, off air, March 15th to April 11th of 2019 to 2020 to be eligible for what we're talking about. Just to be clear, you need to show a 30% drop in your top line revenue. Is that, is that, that correct? Is that a correct assumption? That's correct. Or, yes. Sorry, did I say that correctly? I don't, yes. I don't, you don't want to assume about these things because they're so, they're so critical in terms of your decision making, but it's like you said, right. it's very fluid. 
Well, it is very fluid. And so, yes, that is the the criteria is that you can show that your revenues have declined by 30% year over year uh, for that specific period of time. But the other thing that you have to uh, consider in the process is the threshold for this 75% is uh, uh, the equivalent of an annual income of $58,700. Right. Chances are, as a business owner, you have several employees that are making more than that. Mm-hmm. And so 25% then becomes something much bigger than that if you, in fact, are bringing your employees back and keeping them whole oh, in terms of the salary okay. they yeah. had, right? Right. And so then the question becomes, well, can I bring them back and keep them at that? Like in, in, in essence, if you have an employee who's making 80 grand a year, can you bring them back and pay them basically the equivalent of 58.7 mm-hmm. um, for this purpose, particularly if you haven't got work for them to do? And this is where the consideration, um, there's two considerations here. Legally, if you did that, under ordinary circumstances, that would be constructive dismissal to reduce somebody's pay from 80 to 58.7 would be under normal circumstances, constructive dismissal. So then the question becomes, if I do that in an attempt to pay them more than what they would have um, on EI, what will happen when this is all over and said and done and my employees turn around and look at what I did and the decisions I made as an employer and decide that I treated them unfairly and take a run at me? And I would say that most of my clients are concerned about how, how do we calibrate and, and really understand what the potential consequences are as are for us. Right. And when you are hyp- hypothesizing about the future, I certainly know as a business owner, and I'm looking out three months, I tend to focus on what could go wrong. Like with, I have no information, so I'm going to, if it goes right, well, it went right and everyone is amicable and we go back and it's great, but you, it's easy and you almost have to, from a risk mitigation standpoint, is plan for all the what ifs on the negative side, yep. which is what you're talking about. Like these are scenarios that we run out far enough and you're right, right now we're kind of all in it together and we're doing the best we can what's going to happen three or four months from now when that, that, that camaraderie or that sense of, you know, we are in it together f- fades. Exactly. So I guess as an employer, what, what, what advice are, would you give or are you giving or what would you give right now to the listeners? What do you do as an employer when you have to make these decisions, not really knowing about the future? How do you, how do you navigate it? Or it's maybe not pointed advice, but what moral compass do you use versus your business compass versus your financial compass versus survival? <laughs> Well, I, my hourly rate would probably go way up if I actually had those answers, Tyler. <laughs> but, but I think there'd be a lot of people, if you did, we'd be happy to pay, Jen, happy to pay. Uh, well, what I would say to you um, with, uh, with my clients and the conversations I'm having with them is, is that we do look at the decision that's in front of us. I also... Um, help them look forward as far as we can. So with this wage subsidy, this is a three-month window Right. at this point. Is it it possible it'll be extended? Yes. Um, But at this moment, we're looking at it as three months. So what I do in our conversations is say, okay, if, if, for example, we're looking at do we bring everybody back? And we look at, okay, so 
if we did that, what would be the possible consequence of doing that three months down the road? So we actually do have those conversations, even though it's unpredictable in terms of what might happen. We do have the conversation about Create uh, scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. What happens if you can't pay that 25%? Well, now it would appear that the government said, um, we're not going to hold you to it. But some of my clients are also considering taking advantage of the interest-free loans to try and fund a portion of what they might, of, of that 25% that they would have to pay. The question then becomes, how is that debt going to be managed? And and how is your business going to flourish when you're taking on more debt to try and navigate through this, this particular period of time? The other considerations are, uh, how do you make the decision about, you've got, let's say you're still operating, you've got some employees that are working, you're paying them full pay for work that they're doing, and then you're going to bring back the employees that you've laid off, pay them full pay, but they won't have any work to do. Oh, I didn't think of I never I didn't think of that scenario. Right. And well, this is quite a complicated flowchart of if this then that. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And so there um there are so many considerations for business owners. Uh, but but I think the the advice that I have is is for sure as you're making these decisions. The the other thing is you have to make them re- rapidly. And yes, you, so, you can, you can, yeah, you, you literally have, a, have hours to decide. Yes, exactly. And so that's where you have to, you have to say, what criteria are we going to consider in this process? How willing am I to know that I may be making the wrong decision and that I may have to, I may have to reverse it or change it, which of course, for lots of uh, business leaders is not what you want to be doing. You want to be decisive, make the right decision and move forward. Well, in this circumstance, uh, what I would say beyond tolerance for ambiguity is be willing to be wrong and to be able to pivot and change that decision. But the conditions are changing. And so you have to stay flexible, but you have to stay steadfast at the same point. And, and you were, you and I were talking earlier about, yes, we all are in this together. But your employees as a business owner are looking to you and looking to the government for your leadership in the process. So as as much as individual human beings, we are all confronting, in many cases, similar issues. The reality is that the people that work for you are, are still looking to you as a business leader to make the right choices and they're going to hold you to it. Well, and you know, they, they should at the same time, I think it's never been more important as a leader to be transparent, to be human and be like, Hey, I'm making the best decision I have today. If I get new information that makes this decision wrong, I'll change it tomorrow. And I think that I've talked to a lot of leaders, large organizations, and they're like, like transparency, everyone's always talked about it. Now it is mandatory because if you're not, the space you create gets filled with gets filled with rumors and subjecture and conjecture, I should say, and all kinds of like negativity versus just constantly communicating with your with your team, especially now that they're not all in the office, you can't just bump into them in the hallway. It's so critical in times like this to show your humanity and say, hey, here's what we're doing. If something changes, I'll let you I'll let you know. And that's hard for some leaders as well. It takes a level of humility that I think doesn't always show up in the in the C suite. Right. And and so uh, key to your point is communication. 
which yes. given our current circumstances, isn't necessarily easy. I, I've dealt with some of my clients who don't have ready contact information for every one of their employees. So how do you, how do you communicate with them in a way that's meaningful? And even, even when you don't have any answers for them, what, it, what is just, it that you're telling them? Yeah. Just, just to communicate, just, just to be there, just to keep an open dialogue. Right. Right. Exactly. We, we, take, we take so much for, it's so you do take it for granted because we're humans, but we, so much we took for granted uh, three weeks ago that has been literally just knocked right off the table. <laughs> right. Right. And, and it was never, it's never more important than it is today to communicate with your people. And so, but these are a lot of the lessons that are being learned organizations who have, uh, for example, uh, everyone in the company has their own email address, but some of the companies have closed their doors and shut down their servers for the time being. It, it's oh, a decision that, wow. yeah. And yeah. so now they're communicating with everybody on uh, their home emails, but they didn't have that information in their records. Right. Of course. So, so, so many, so many factors <laughs> to, con- to consider and every, and every situation has a degree of uniqueness to it. Well, it certainly does. It certainly does. And the other consideration uh, is, again, the empathy and the compassion for the people that you have working for you. Like we all live our lives very differently. The reality is many of the people that you have as employees may be living paycheck to paycheck. And so we're starting to see more questions from employers and from employees about any kind of mental health support that can be provided as people are trying to deal with uh, all of the issues that are affecting their lives now. And so the, I'm seeing a greater degree of empathy on the part of business owners at this point uh, for their employees and understanding employee circumstances. Cause you, under normal operations, those things may come to your attention from time to time, but typically we're not thinking about them. Right, But they are guiding uh, behaviors and uh, questions and concerns that employees have through this process. And when there are no answers, what do you do? But I think to your point, being human, being transparent, letting people know what your intentions are through this period, and then making those decisions that are going to not only support your employees, but but hopefully help your businesses survive in the end is it's critical. And, and yet we still on an everyday basis, don't know, don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know what tomorrow brings, which is even more importantly, why you need to stay connected and, and create that sense of community with your, with your team in any way you can, because we all are in it together and none of us have the answers. And that's, it's, that's one thing I did hear the other day from someone on the show. They're like, you know, never have we all been brought to our knees at the same time. And not due to somebody did something wrong or somebody was greedy or somebody, no, it was none of that. And like that as a universal equalizer is is an interesting just concept that I've never been through in my 40 some years, let's not get specific, (laughs) of living. I've never seen it. I've been in natural disasters, but it happened in an area. It didn't happen over the world. It's just so interesting how this is 
global, which I think does change our opportunity to just re-engage differently. But we're getting a bit philosophical, but it's hard not to because we're all humans and we're dealing with humans and we're dealing with each other. Right. And Jan, from your, what's the best, is there a resource or is there something that I'm a business owner, I'm a manager, I want to learn more. I know there's a million places to go. Is there somewhere you trust or somewhere that you would recommend people to go and look at information on government programs or examples of different way companies are handling this? Is there anything like that you could offer? Uh, well, definitely the government website uh, has been uh, kept current and update uh, updated, which is quite amazing in my world, uh, including the um, applications for all of these subsidies. All of the information about that is available on the government website for sure. The other thing um, that I've been taking advantage of is many of the law firms uh, in Canada have been doing webinars. I was on one the other day. There were 2,800 people on the call. Oh, wow. 2,800. Okay. And it was excellent. And I can't give them a plug because I can't remember the name of the organization. But um, they're, they this is what they're doing now. So along with IT people, HR people, lawyers are, um, are unbelievably busy trying to help their clients to navigate through this, to interpret the decisions that I make today, how are they, what are the ramifications down the road? But they are an excellent source of information about what is the latest information and how, how should I, as an employer, navigate and interpret this for my next decisions that I have to make. So that's a great source for sure. I appreciate that. And uh, you know, all those things they've always told you as an entrepreneur, make sure you have a good accountants, good lawyers, good HR, have a team around you. And never now as a leader, has that been more important to, like you said, here's the thing, but how is it relevant to me and how do I interpret that? And I think that's the, that's the gray area we all get into. Yeah. What's the best way for someone to get a hold of yourself? Oh, you, well, you can contact me at my, um, uh, my email at jan at nicewander.ca. Excellent. And also you're on LinkedIn. I will. Uh, I am. Jay Nyswander Associates, also your website. I'm giving you some blatant plugs here, Jen. Please. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today on giving us some concrete information around what is a very unprecedented, fluid, uh, ambiguous situation. But I think the lesson that I took away is be human and be transparent and be okay it's a, you might be right, but you might be wrong, but be human through that whole process and right. it'll make a huge difference of how it shows up in the end. Right. Mm -hmm. And the last thing that I'd like to say about that is because this situation will change all of us in, in many ways. And quite fundamentally, I think as a, as a business owner or as a leader in a business, what's most important for you to think about is how do you want to be known when this is over? So, so it's not just whatever your mission and your vision says about your business, because all of that is changed now. And so the things that you do, you will be remembered for the things that you do as a business leader at this point. And so just be conscious of that as you go through the process. Excellent. That is solid advice to end on. Jan, thank you so much for your time today. Best of luck and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Tyler. Great talking My to pleasure. you. My pleasure.